listeners, welcome back to episode five. Um, I think the topic of today will be, you know, how to set up a lab. Like, you know, how do you get started in, in doing that? And and Joe's going to explain a bunch of stuff. This stuff is, is pretty high tech. It's pretty amazing. Okay. Well, Larry, this is actually the uh, the most exciting session I think we've done because this is this really answers the question how does someone get started in a career in cybersecurity? And in my opinion, they need a lab. Because in order to get into cybersecurity, you fundamentally have to understand the red team and the blue team, the defenders and the attackers. And if you can actually get the hands-on experience of downloading hacking tools and trying to hack from one machine to another and, and then defend against it with things like firewalls and that sort of thing, then you fundamentally will grasp the concept. So when you're reading about it in the A+, the Network+, Plus, Security+, Plus, you're like, oh, okay, you know, let me try that. Right. Because if you can get some hands-on keyboard and actually try things out, that's how you will learn, right? So what do we do today? So today, listeners, what we did is we took two computers. We had an Intel Nook, which is a, a computer about the size of your hand, and running Windows 10. And then we had a iMac uh, sitting next to it. And what we did is we, we first... Uh, networked them together with a switch and the switch actually happened to be a Cisco PIX firewall. Um, but basically uh, on the Cisco PIX, it handed out an IP address of 10.1.1.2 to the Intel Nook. And it handed out an IP address of 10.1.1.3 to the iMac. Now at first, these two computers did not trust each other. They had firewalls on, so they could not exchange packets. They blocked each other. But then uh, what we did is we disabled the firewall, and then we downloaded a program called Nmap. And Nmap is a port scanner, and it's meant to discover the machines on your network to see if there's any machines that are vulnerable or that you can attack. The Windows machine discovered that the Apple computer had no ports listening. So even though the firewall was disabled, there was no services running on the Mac that would allow it to connect. And that's because the Mac is is really designed for security by default. So by default, even with the firewall disabled, the Mac, you still can't really do much to it. So then what we did is we turned on file services. And we then were able to see the files and delete files from the Mac. And then what we did is we then turned things around. We disabled the firewall from the Windows PC and we created a, a local user account called Larry. And then we, lo- we logged into that, and then we were able to delete files on the Windows PC, right? Right. And then we even copied files from the Mac over to the Windows PC. So what we did is we basically set up a local area network uh, within 30 minutes, right? Under 30 minutes. Within 30 minutes. It was just right. amazing. And we talked about IP addresses. Is- we talked about port scanning. Uh, we did a lot, right? And then um, ultimately, I think what you what you really appreciated, correct me if I'm wrong, is how important it is to have a firewall running. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I actually, with my own eyes, seen the importance of having a firewall and not having your firewall. Yes, huge, right? And and it, it would have been hard, to, I think, to grasp that before how important it was because you saw when we tried to attack it, we couldn't. Like no. it, it was stealth; it wasn't even listed. 
Like no. the, it wasn't even showing up, right? And then as soon as we started disabling security, all of a sudden we were able to get on that thing, right? Right. So I see the importance of, of, of definitely of having your firearm on. So you won't be seen mm-hmm. by hackers. So I do. But having a, I know, too, just having a firewall doesn't totally protect you. But that protection with having a firewall is very important. It is. Now, the next thing, when I was on the Mac and I was trying to attack the PC, I wasn't able to get on the PC unless I had a username and password. Yes. Now, now you understand the importance of having a strong password because if I guessed password one two three, right, which is something a hacker would probably guess, he's on the machine. So, a listener, if you on your home computer, if you have a weak password like password one two three and that sort of thing, you better hope your firewall's on because if it's not, uh, yeah, then you're you know. you're gonna pretty much get hacked. Oh yeah. So I know, and I can't remember the exact episode but one of the episodes you was talking about the most uh the, he's like a an engineer so he goes out and he gets mm-hmm. he tries to to know you personally mm-hmm. to maybe figure out your password yeah a social engineer a social engineer that's right so kevin mitnick is is one of the most famous social engineers he wrote a book called the art of deception right. and he tells his <clears throat> stories of how he you know got motorola to send him uh, a patent because he pretended to be someone at Motorola. And uh, so they went ahead and they sent him uh, some patented information. Um, he talked about how he was able to uh, get information from a bank, you know, and, 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 uh, and do stuff. So, and, and he was an interesting cat. You know what he would do? Um, there was a story where when he was growing up, he went through the dumpsters of AT&T. So he went to the AT&T building, went through the trash, and he found a computer manual of how to operate their computers, and he read it so that that way he could actually hack into so their computers. Uh, the phone company because they threw out these computer manuals, and, and he went through and found them and read them. So that's called you know dumpster diving, obviously, but that's actually a legitimate um, thing that some hackers do is they will actually go through trash of some companies, and they can get passwords that way. They can get um, computer manuals. They'll learn quite a bit about how to hack that company. Um, by going through their trash. That is amazing. So that's why you see in a lot of companies that shred and stuff and that's stuff right. like that. So hackers cannot get. That's right. We also talked about um, another thing hackers will do is they will they will put USB drives in the parking lot of a company, and they'll put the virus or the malware on the USB drive, and they hope that the you know unsuspecting user will pick that USB drive up, thinking, oh man, it's a free USB drive. They plug it into their work machine, and now the hacker's on that uh, work machine. Right. So now the social engineers, mm-hmm. and there's probably quite a few of them out there, mm-hmm. because I, I think people may maybe get in the, the wrong deception of hackers. They think it's just some guy sitting behind the computer, and that's all he's doing. But you actually have the social engineer guys. They'll call you, or they'll oh, maybe yeah. try to meet you on the street or something That's right. just to figure out your password. One of the, one of the most prolific and disturbing uh, forms of social engineering going on is targeting uh, the most vulnerable uh, members of our society right now, our senior citizens. And these are people calling our senior citizens pretending to be Microsoft. And they're saying, hey, this is Microsoft. There's a problem with your computer. Uh, would you like us to help you with that? And so then they direct the senior citizen to go to a website, the hacker's website, www.hackme.com, but it's a, but it's a legitimate you know, name. 
The senior citizen goes there, they download the malware onto their machine, and now the hacker from the phone is able to remotely go to their machine and install ransomware and lock that senior citizen computer until they pay them a ransom. Wow. So I'm going to tell you an instance, and um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm very excited about your answer to this. Uh, so I have a friend at work, and she shops on Amazon. She had got a call from a person saying that, yeah, we're with Amazon. We're having problems with your credit card. Uh, can we get your credit card number mm-hmm. so we can um, rewind? You know, we're having problems. You know, we're security. And so she gave him her credit card number. Right. Over the phone. Yeah. That's social engineering. And, you know, it's... Uh, it's really, it's all about tricking someone to believe you're someone other than who you are, right? Right. And, um, and this is going to continue to be a problem for a very long time until we have a way to identify someone and, and, and verify their identity. So the best thing to do in that scenario is to hang up the phone and call Amazon because that way you know you're actually speaking to them because you're calling them. Right. You know. Right. So I think she did do that and then... She she had to go and change her passwords, and then she had to go and take her credit card information off of Amazon, so mm-hmm. they couldn't, yeah, you know, be spending five or six hundred dollars. That's right, off Amazon. And we were talking before, I think during break, that some some things that hackers do is they'll just do like little five or ten dollar fees, right? Because they're hoping you won't notice that in your checking account, and they'll just do that uh, for the rest of your life. Wow. And there's a lot of people that probably don't even pay attention to that. It happens all the time. You know. As a matter of fact, everyone go and check your bank statement. If you see the little <laughs> five or ten dollar fees, uh, you know, it. change your credit card number. And I know that's a hassle, but you know, if you don't know if you don't recognize those fees, you may have already been hacked and it could be a hacker just, you know, leeching just off your account. account. Oh wow. So these hackers, they're very, they're very cunning. They are because they know if they do a big five hundred dollar transaction, you're going to notice that, and therefore you're going to you're going to deal with that, right? Mm-hmm. But can you imagine if they did, um, you know, fifty or five hundred transactions once a month over time, um, they don't get caught. Right. So they're very smart. So who's who are the most who who are the people that's most likely to be hacked? I would say senior citizens um, because, number one, they didn't grow up with computers. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So they're generally not as tech savvy, and therefore they're vulnerable to being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think they... A lot of them can be more trusting. They, they don't think someone would do that to them. Right. They're, they're, um, they're like, why me? Why would this person want to hack me? Yeah, I think, I think they're the most vulnerable. I think the next would be um, kids because when kids go downloading games, um, they don't have the tech savvy to recognize that some of those games are actually uh, viruses that they're downloading. And um, they can be enticed to install things um, more easily than More adults, easier. you know, like like stuff like when you can do face swaps and you can, yeah, you can, you know, make yourself look younger and just all those type of things. Yeah. So one thing in the news right now is TikTok. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Army told their soldiers, uh, "You're not allowed to install TikTok on your um, army issued phones because they believe that um, China 
is uh, using that to uh, check their locations. So that way they know, okay, this guy's in the army. I see he's in this base. And now I see all of a sudden he's on an airplane going to Iraq. They're able to track troop movements um, with that. So uh, it's a a national security risk. Same thing happened with Fitbit. Right. Fitbit was um, used by a lot of our military. And someone realized they can track the location of, of all these troops. With uh, Fitbit. It, yeah, because it was uh, basically recording their uh, GPS uh, coordinates and locations. Wow. So I just bought a Fitbit for my wife for Christmas. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good news is, is you know, the hackers are probably not as concerned Same with her location. location. But what they were hoping for is that, you know, military guys would actually start, you know, using those and they're giving away their location coordinates. Yeah. That is, oh, wow. That's very interesting that, you know... Right now, I mean, we're we're getting so innovative and so all the new things, the gadgets coming out. But as as that comes, hackers get more sophisticated and absolutely. And you know, just just a, a simple Fitbit or maybe an iWatch or something yeah. like that, they can track exactly where you're at. Yeah, and then I think was it a week or two ago, um, people had those. Uh, was it the Nest cameras um, or the Ring cameras in their, the in their home? And so hackers were um, getting on those um, because they were not protected with two-factor authentication. So the hacker could get your username or password maybe by sending you a phishing link or guessing your username and password. And now they can see the video inside your house. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've heard of it. But I heard that sometimes the hackers will say weird things or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, just for kicks, just for fun. But if they didn't give away, if they didn't speak, they could have just sit there and just watched. And just watched. Creepy. Very creepy. It's very creepy. And, I mean, I know a lot of the computers nowadays, they have the, you know, they have the camera on them and stuff like that. So it's probably very important that you definitely, um, you know, uh, have this thing over the over your camera and that's right you don't let anyone know your passwords yeah so on my cameras um like this one here i have this little slider here wow yep i've seen that so it's like three bucks on amazon and when you're not using your camera you cover it otherwise you just use a band-aid right you know so cover your cam definitely cover your cameras when you're not using them for sure for sure yeah so 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 all right now let's let's dive into this lab. So okay. if I'm just a person like myself, mm-hmm. what do, how do I start? What do I need to Yeah. So you're going to need you're going to need two computers. Uh, okay. one is going to be the attacker computer and one's going to be the defender computer, right? Right. And to start off with, I would disable the firewalls because it's going to be is 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 a beginning person in computing to get through a firewall is going to be very difficult. Right. So you want to turn off the firewalls. Once you've turned off the firewalls, then you could actually do you know all sorts of things. You can download Nmap, which is a port scanner, to check to see which ports are listening. You could download brute force tools to guess passwords. So there's tools that will sit there and just bang away at your password until it guesses it. Wow. So you can download those tools. So you're basically able to simulate the hacking attacks that you're reading about in like the Security Plus book and that sort of thing. Um so fundamentally, you're going to need two computers. Um, now, uh, some listeners will be quick to point out, well, what about virtual machines? Yes, you can, 
you can use like Amazon has virtual machines and that way you don't have to really buy it a computer you can just rent one from Amazon for like 20 cents a minute or something so if you don't have a computer you can rent one from Amazon <laughs> oh that's for, great more money for Amazon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more money for them right no I understand that oh okay so that's another tool that you can use that's right in setting up your lab now one benefit of actually renting a VM from Amazon rather than doing it in your home is if there's a virus downloaded onto the machine. It's in Amazon, not on your machine, right. not, not in your home network. Not in your home network. Right. And that, that's, a, that's a pretty important concept, especially when you're learning on security and stuff and you're downloading things. Mm -hmm. You need to be pretty careful on your home network. So one of the things I recommend in a lab is to have a firewall. And you could buy these from uh, Best Buy for less than $100. Um, and it's basically... A small device we have one sitting in front of us here right and there's a network switch in the back with all these kind of ports and when you plug both computers into it right then they're segmented away from your home network like like this little lab that we built in front of us um, does not create a threat to my the rest of my home network right. it's contained here between these two, two computers. computers and that way you know, I'm, I'm not at risk of a virus or worm or any kind of problem leaving this lab and spreading to my home network. So if you're going to get into security, you really want to have a segmented, isolated network that you can do things on without worry of infecting your, your home PCs, right? Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. That makes like it's you have these are things you have to have to start your. And just like fundamentally, never um, use those two machines in your lab for any kind of personal banking. Don't even log into your Gmail or Yahoo account. Don't don't use any passwords that you normally use because you need to assume that those machines, because you're going to be downloading all sorts of hacking tools and all sorts of things on those two machines. Jeez you're going to have to assume that there's eventually going to be what's called a keystroke logger that's recording your keystrokes that's eventually going to be sent, you know, somewhere, you somewhere. know. And right. so you, you you want to use different sets of passwords, you know, don't go to any any website that you own on there and um and that's a that's just a good sort of practice when you're uh, you know, when you're getting into this. When you're getting into this, you know, Always assume that a machine has already been hacked and owned by someone else. Always, you know. Um, the safest thing to do, honestly, would be uh, to wipe the machine and start with a clean uh, installation of Windows when it's not even connected to the Internet. Yeah. So, you know, without any Internet connection, you load Windows on it, and that way you know that at least... Um, at that point in time, it was secure. secure. Right. Now, once you connect to the internet, you know, and you start downloading files, at that point, like we showed, you can run this program called Process Explorer, and it'll check things in memory against virus total to see if anything running in memory is, is, is a known uh, threat according to any of the 70 virus engines. Um, that way you can actually gain some confidence that over you know, time if there's a threat on the machine. Wow. Yes, I mean there's a there's a lot of things that uh, Joe has just shown me to kind of to get started, and now he's t he's showing me the pre you know precautions. Hey, Larry, you got to yeah. pay attention to this and this and this. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a lot of things, but it can be done. 
can be done. And it's, it's, it's like you said, if you're a professional football player, how did you get there? Um, well, you practiced. You lifted weights. You disciplined yourself. You spent time. You dedicated time where you said, I'm going to focus on my football career and my practice, and I'm going to say no to everything else during that time, right? right. So to, to do this, you, you basically set up time in the lab. You say, I'm going to focus during this time. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to focus, and I'm going to have an objective. When I sit down, my objective is to get from point A to point B, and I'm going to figure that out. And I'm going to read on Wikipedia. I'm going to do YouTube videos. YouTube is an incredible resource. Okay. Incredible resource on how to do it. Literally videos. You could sit there on one monitor and watch the video, pause it, do what they're showing. Incredible resource. Um, absolutely. You know. So after you set your, you get your lab set up and you, you get, you know, everything that you need. The next step is looking at YouTube videos. Absolutely. Have, and, and, and have an objective. Like, you know, when you search the YouTube, um, you know, instead of just typing like how to hack, right? Mm -hmm. Have your security plus book out and you're going to be reading a chapter on port scanning, right? And you're going to read about this tool called Nmap. So you're going to, you're going to do the YouTube search will be like how to use Nmap. Now we used Nmap to do a port scan, right? But when you're first starting out, you're not going to know how to do it. So you'll watch the YouTube video, how to do a port scan. That, that will be the search. And you'll know to do that search based on that chapter in your security plus book. So every chapter in Security Plus, the certification book that you're going to have, that's you'll go and, and do YouTube videos to, to practice that in your lab. And by the end of that, Larry, I mean, your, your knowledge will have it'll, – it'll have been like a whole season, a whole preseason of football weight training at the end of that thing. You'll be like, Psh, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And you look back and you'll be like, look at what I did. Right. So yeah. uh, listeners, I've been very, very lucky and blessed. Thank you, Lord, that I uh, have Joe here just, just telling me all this. Mm. And I do have a book at home, How to Learn to Be a Hacker from Joe, like the, right. the, the basics. Right. So when I start my lab up here, that would be the first book I actually would start reading. Because yeah. now I'm starting to understand some of the terminology. Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, so we covered, um, you know, the lab. And, and that's really, I think, starting off, you know, um, a plus is going to give you component knowledge on processors, memory, CPU, like 64 bit versus 32 bit, what all that kind of means, really the fundamentals of the machine itself. Um, the next part is networking, um, how to connect the two machines together with ethernet. What is a local area network? What is a wide area network? You know, internet IP addressing. So they'll teach you about IPs. We talked about during break how there's an IPv4 address space which has 4 billion IP addresses, and those have largely run out. And so now there's an IPv6 address space, um, which has billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of addresses that's not going to run out. Right? No, not for And so Network Plus, you'll learn about networking, how computers talk to each other you know, across... Uh, cables and across wireless and, uh, and IP addresses and all that stuff. That's really fundamental. But you first start with the computer, then the networking. And then once you understand that, then you go on to the security plus. So that's kind of like the, you know, the path. You, that's the, the path. And you can't skip any of that stuff because those are all fundamental concepts you just have to know, right? Um, the, the certification exam, like passing the exam, is, is not the... Um, the important thing. 
The important thing is the learning process preparing for the exam. Right. Right. The exam is just more like, yeah, you should probably take it. Do you really have to pass it? Not really. It's more like learning and preparing. That's the critical part of it. You know, whether or not right. you pass the exam is not as important right. to me. To me. Right. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, did you learn? Did you do the labs and all this sort of thing? You know. Right. Because so when um, because I will be starting school next month, um, I have um, I mean, just like Joe said, you start off with your, with your A plus. That's like the first just knowing how a computer works. And because I, could, I just listening to Joe and just being in this uh, atmosphere, yeah. atmosphere and environment that I am now. I see the knowledge of the hackers. They have knowledge of all this. Yeah. And most of them probably don't have their certificates, but That's right. they have knowledge of, of all this and they practice every day at it. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's because it's their hobby and their passion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what drives them. Right. Cause when you're in the lab and the study, you're not making any money. Right. Yeah. Um, but once you have that body of knowledge and then you actually have a marketable asset in the uh, job economy that people want once you actually gain that knowledge, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just like if you played sports, you know, you start off as a little kid and everybody wants to become fat professional, but you know, you go to your practices twice a week and then you have your games on Sunday and then you move from that to high school where you practice every day. You, you know, you go through the meat grinder, you have your games, you're excited, and you go from that to college where you're looking at making that big money in professionals. That's right. In professional sports. So. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. And, um, man, I mean, we're, we're diving into it. I mean, in the last ep- episode, Joe explained to us just what's fishing, what's malwares. And, and now I can see how all this... In, in building a lab, how all that kind of comes together. So next episode, Larry, I know you're, you're going to have some things that you're definitely going to want to learn. Uh, one of the things I also want to teach you is um, about the dark web. Uh, I want to teach you about it uh, because this is where hackers go to uh, trade code, to download malware, to, and I, and I want you to see um, how they get there so you're able to um, see the tactics and techniques that the enemy uses wow. uh, so that you can understand what you're up against and, and just you know kind of see that so the dark web um, we'll talk about next time next time that's and very interesting very interesting stuff right so I'll teach you how to get on the dark web how to look at there now you know getting on the dark web is not illegal um downloading things from the dark web um, can possibly be illegal depending on what it is you're downloading. So you got to be, you know, pretty careful. Um, but uh, so we'll, we'll talk about those ethics and we'll talk about those things uh, next time. So, yeah. So, hey, wow, we about to get into some and we all have heard about the dark web. But, hey, we'll save that for episode six. We're looking forward to it. You guys have a good weekend. Thank you for listening. See you guys. See you guys.